0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mondo Show. You're watching through the PTO network across this nation in Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Dallas. I can keep naming the cities, but I want to thank you for your support. I want you to know that the PTL Network was birthed about a year ago, and we are seeing a tremendous response across this nation. And I'm so glad that I can be in your home, joining you every single week, bringing you guests that are changing the way the narrative is being conducted in all the media outlets. You know, the entire country seems to be at each other's throat right now. We can't seem to agree on Anything. Republicans are convinced Democrats are socialists, and if they win elections, it will mean the end of the country. Well, Democrats are convinced as well that Republicans are racist with no concern for those that the Bible calls the least of these. Activists on the left and the right are convinced that the only way that they can be represented as we the people is to vow to take back their government from their politicians. You know, the words of Isaiah ring true almost 3,000 years later, where it says justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth that has stumbled in the public squares and the uprightness cannot enter. The question is clear. How do we get here? And more importantly, where do we go from here? If truth has stumbled in the public square Do we just give up on the public square as a place to resolve problems? In America right now, we are dealing with racial unrest, social justice protests, religious freedoms under attack. And let us not forget about the bitterly contested presidential election that took place almost a year ago. All these issues have forced us to see how separated we are as a nation, as a family, and of course, as a culture. As a former mayor and governor, my guest today has long been at the center of politics and policy on local, state, and federal levels. He has consistently been guided by his faith, which influenced his actions on issues ranging from capital punishment to pardons, health care to abortion, welfare to free college tuitions, yet The place of faith in public life has been hotly debated since our nation's founding. And the relationship of church and state remains debatable to this day. Maybe for a good reason. I don't know. You see, my special guest believes that too often Christians and politics end up shaping their faith to fit their politics rather than forming their politics to their faith. Yet, he continues saying they seem to forget their calling as to be used by God in service of others rather than to use God to reach their own desires and ends. My special guest today knows firsthand what being a man of faith means while serving in public office. He is Governor Bill Haslam. I got to give him a proper introduction. He is the former two-term mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, and a former two-term governor of Tennessee. During his term, Tennessee became the fastest improving state in the country, which, by the way, I heard a rumor that a lot of people are moving to Tennessee. It must be a great state. But I want to tell you something. It was the first state to provide free community college or technical school for all the citizens In addition, in adding 475,000 net new jobs, Governor Haslam serves on the board of Teach for America and Young Life. Well, he's here today to talk about his brand-new book called Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square. I want you to help me welcome the only former mayor, former governor, Bill Haslam to my program. Governor, welcome.
1: Wow, Mundo. I feel like I should just say I'm Bill Haslam. I approve that message and stop right there. I don't think I can improve on what you just did.
0: Oh, sir, I want to tell you something. It is an honor to have you on the program. I've been reading your book over the weekend, watching interviews that you did uh, several years ago, and I am very, very impressed about what you have accomplished in Tennessee. Let me ask you something from the start because the current issues we're facing right now as a nation uh, is concerning to me. And it's concerning to a lot of Americans, but I wanna ask you this, what direction is our nation going through right now?
1: Well, I think we're at each other's throats. As a matter of fact, I saw a recent study that said Republicans and, Demo- and Democrats are at a bigger disagreement uh, in in doubt each other's motives more than israelis and palestinians do to put it in context and we all know the historic uh, animosity there so we have a country that's divided we're mad about it and we think the other side is not only wrong but they're wrong for bad reasons and the question is what do we do about it particularly we as people of faith
0: absolutely governor how did we get here how did we get to
1: this place where our nation is angry and divided right now well, partly, you know, it's nothing new. I mean, our, we've had political battles from the from the very beginning of the country, and you know, we had, uh, you know, we've had politicians fighting each other since since the, since 1776. What's different now, though, is social media has made it to where we can talk to people just like us. We can choose our news uh, from people that give us news that we like. Uh, and so we have all hardened our positions so much that we think everybody I know thinks like I do, and that the news I see confirms that I'm right. And so we've all hardened into our positions, like I said, and start to think the other side is uh, are not just wrong but bad people. The here's here's my point to people of faith. You know, when when Jesus sees a problem, he always starts with us. He always starts with the religious types. When the when the woman caught in adultery was dragged before Jesus in front of a crowd. He doesn't start with a woman. He starts with the religious types who 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 drug her before him, and um, it, you know the when he says you know if the if the if the meat's gone bad, it's not the meat's fault. It's the salt. And if the salt is lost its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out. So, my book is hopefully a call for us to say maybe we, maybe the people of faith, can be the ones that change the conversation in this country that has all of us believers and non-believers so frustrated.
0: You know, what I love about you, Governor, is that you're a very well-balanced man. You're not all the way, you know, off balance, let's put it that way. Because I I love what you stand for. I love how balanced you are. I love how you see the good in, in, in both parties. And I love how you were able to bring so many, you know, jobs and so many opportunities to Tennessee. But let me ask you this. Uh, why did
1: you write this book for right now? Uh, because of what the the points that you brought up in the intro, uh, we've never had, we've never been at each other's throats as well. So we've, we've always been divided in certain ways, but, uh, I think the, the frustration that people feel now is, is what drove me to to this. And if you think about, again, we, as people of faith, we understand, you talked about balance. The world's like they're saying, you know, no justice, no peace. But we know that you don't really want justice without mercy, but you don't want mercy without justice either, right? You don't want all mercy. We want the bad guys to get caught and put in jail. All of us want justice, but we also know that we need mercy. We want love, but we also want truth. And the advantage that we should have and what we can bring to the public square is we're people that understand both. It's not justice or mercy. It's both. It's not truth or love. It's both. You know, we're supposed to speak the truth with love. And I just think this is a rare moment in history where uh, people of faith can actually bring what we know to be true into the public square and be an answer uh, to the frustration and exhaustion that everyone feels today.
0: Listen, if you just tuned in, you're watching, you're listening to two-term mayor of knoxville tennessee and former two-term governor of tennessee he's written a brand new book called faithful presence the promise and the pearl of faith in the public square and we are talking about where we are as a nation where are we going what do we do about it and governor you serve on the boards of teach for america let me ask you what is the biggest failure in the an American public education system right now that is changing the course of how Americans are viewing America.
1: You know, I mean, I think some I mean, I think a lot of people would say the failure to properly teach civics and how we got to be here is important. But for me, it's been this. It's a lot of folks have this idea. Well, if you're a certain kid in a certain neighborhood, a certain zip code, We just can't expect that much out of you. And I just think that's wrong. It's historically wrong. And that when we say all children, we should mean all children. All children should have the opportunity for a great teacher. All children should have the opportunity for education that prepares them either for further education or for a job. Uh, And all children should have the opportunity to learn what's brought us to this point today, the great parts of our country's history and the things that we haven't done well. You know, you
0: believe people of faith, and you talked about uh, a little bit about that, but you believe people of faith should play a leading role in public office. But the words and actions of the Christian community governor have done more to inflict the wounds that our nation is facing right now. What should we do to start being a part of the solution instead of the division that is taking place as a Christian community? So,
1: you know, if you, if you look at, if you, look, read this, uh, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is obviously kind of most uh, famous and influential uh, talk. The message is really clear it's be different. You know, the salt's supposed to be different than the meat, the, the light's supposed to be different than the dark. Unfortunately, we're not any different. Uh, Christians are just as likely to go online and say things anonymously that we would never say in person we're just as likely to enter an argument with the objective being to win the argument instead of to get to the best uh, solution to the problem. Uh, We're just as likely to enter with pride instead of humility. But, you know, Scripture's really clear. I mean, it says there's certain things you can debate about uh, the scriptural position on, but one that you can't is uh, the primacy of humility. It says... Uh, James and Peter both say the exact same thing for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble Unfortunately, we've entered the public square with as much pride and as little humility as the rest of the world
0: Hmm, you know that makes me think a lot about You know, is it hard for a Christian to be in politics? Was it hard for you? for your principles for what you stand for being in public office for all these years
1: has it been difficult to be a Christian in politics? You know, a lot of people answer me, ask me that, and I'd say, is it difficult to uh, have a public media role like you do or to be a, a Christian in business or a Christian teacher or a Christian doctor? Uh, the the same challenges. So is it hard to be a Christian in politics? Yes. Is it hard to live out... Um, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, Is it hard to not be anxious in a public role? You bet. Every time I ran for office, I was anxious about the result, uh, unfortunately. Is it uh, hard to, uh, you know, it says, but with humility, each of one should treat the other as more important than yourself? I, I challenge you to find a political consultant who would give you that advice that, you know, each of you uh, should consider others as more important than yourself. So it's hard to walk faithfully in this role, just like it is in your role and in the million different things that all your listeners uh, do every day.
0: Governor, what was easiest? Or or let me ask you, what was more interesting, being a mayor
1: or a governor? Well, that's a great question. I love both of them. And I I talk in the book, it felt a little bit more like being a, a pastor, not in the sense of you're out preaching sermons, but in the sense of you're building all these relationships um, and you're involved in all these problems, trying to help people get to a better place. Uh, Mayor's more of a wrap your arm around it job. You live in the middle of the same city. You can, you know, you, you know, so many of the people. Governor's much more spread out with, you know, you're, you're doing everything from building highways to running prisons to we have soldiers deployed around the world. We're helping families with children with intellectual disabilities. Uh, you're helping people with uh, social service needs that, uh, that, are, uh, that are needing assistance of different type from the, from the government. So I, I, I guess my answer to the question would be governors a little more interesting just because of the scope of the job, but both of them felt like a great chance to live out my calling in a way that i had never had a chance to do that before
0: that is fantastic you know governor we're told almost every day on social media that we should not mix religion and politics there is a saying that may hold powerful truth to it that when religion is used for political purpose it empties religion for its eternal meaning and becomes just one more cynical method of acquiring power why is the relationship of church and state still debatable to this day
1: well and you made the point earlier it's been we've been debating that since we started as a country what the the role is i actually think we got it right our founders got it right in this country when they said religion is so important we're not going to let the state play any role in it we're not going to have a state established church and so the people who think we're going to make this a christian nation well when that's happened in the past, that hasn't ended up well for the church. The church, if you look across Europe, you know, where you had a state-established church, it's you don't see any growth there. You see growth in places where it's separate from the government. On the other hand, our founders also said, you can't make any laws prohibiting the free establishment of, uh, I'm sorry, the free exercise of religion. So I can't do anything that prohibits you acting out your faith Um, in the same way. So I think we got it right. I don't think we want a Christian government because um, pretty soon the the church will start to look like the state, and that's not a good thing. Nor do we want the government telling us what we can and can't do in terms of religion.
0: You're listening to the author of Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square. This book right here, it's, you know, it's going to answer the question that I just asked. Chapter nine, what about the separation of church and state? How about this one? He starts with, boy, you start with something very strong on chapter one, divided and angry. If we're going to talk about where we are right now, we better understand where's the root coming from? And we are divided. We are angry in this country. Families can no longer talk about politics in, 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 in the living room, in, in the dining room, while we're having dinner. Listen, people are separated. They're angry. They're passionate about what they stand for. They're passionate about their politics. But it's ruining America. It's ruining the nation. It's ruining culture. It's ruining friendships. It's ruining almost every facet of our, of, of our daily lives. This book right here is such a balanced book, very strong book, but very balanced to help you understand why is the left mad? Why is the right mad? I mean, so many different things that are taking place. I found a lot of answers. One of my favorite chapters is chapter three, Confused, Ineffective, and Exhausted. Can you
1: talk about that chapter? Yeah, I think in the middle of this big Political divide and debate that we have in the country stands Christians stands people of faith who were confused We thought that this story would play out in a different way where we're ineffective We haven't learned how to to do things that will make a difference in the public square for some of the reasons We talked about before and a lot are just exhausted and say I just can't care anymore. I'm gonna quit uh, engaging in the public square because uh, I just get frustrated and exhausted every time I do. But I would argue that's the wrong result. You know, the reason I got into public office to begin with is a passage in Jeremiah 29. And if you remember, the, the people of Israel are ca- kept captive in Babylon. It's a horrible environment. They're literally enslaved uh, by a bad king in a bad place. Jeremiah part of the remnant still in Jerusalem, and he writes to them, and if 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 I'm ever caught somewhere, I hope you write to me saying, we're coming to get you as quick as we can. But Jeremiah doesn't say that. He says, plant gardens, marry your, 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 uh, your children, have them have children. And then he says something even more shocking, he says, seek the peace of the place where I have called you, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The place he's called them to is a horrible place. You might look around and go, I don't, you know, I, I don't like the, what our government's doing, I don't like all this stuff that's happening. Jeremiah writes to them as they're being held captive by a very bad king and says, seek the peace of the place where I have called you. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. For God so loved the world, not just our church or our neighborhood or people who look like us or think like us, but the world. And we're supposed to react in the same way.
0: Governor, you're right that it starts with us. Can you share what you mean by that? And how do we get started? How do we activate the principles that you,
1: you're writing about. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you, again, part of that, if you look at where, where does Jesus always start? Again, think about the woman called in adultery or when he goes into the, the temple and sees the the money changers and the people selling pigeons and does for sacrifices. He, he gets mad. at. He always gets, starts with the religious people. Uh, and he always, again, it, it's back to, you know, if the meat goes bad, it's not the meat's fault. It's the salt that didn't do their job. And so what I'm asking us is, instead of saying, I can't believe they, and then fill in the blank with whatever you want to, to say, what would happen if I approached the public square in a faithful way? Is there a chance to make a difference here?
0: Does the country take the identity of people in office, meaning what they stand for, what they believe in? Would that become the image of the public office that they represent at the time?
1: I think it does. I mean, the truth is most groups, institutions, cities, states, countries, after a while do take on a little bit of the image of their leader. I think the country, maybe what's different now is we are so divided that the days when you'd see a president with a 65% popularity rating I don't think are going to happen anytime soon, again, because there's a certain number of people just, if he's from the other party or she's from the other party, I don't like them. Uh, and that's caused this deep divide that we all feel in, in such a real way.
0: What message do you want the reader and my viewers to get from your new book, Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in Public
1: Square? It it would be this. that what happens in the public square matters. That's where we make, that's how we decide how we're going to govern ourselves from school board to city council to the president of the United States. And uh, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to, as I said, to bring salt and bring light uh, as we walk humbly into the public square, knowing that our our mission is to seek the peace of these places where God has called us. Uh, and I would say rather than being discouraged and, like so many folks are like, I've just had enough to be encouraged that maybe this is a place that God has called us to, uh, to make a difference as well.
0: Absolutely. I want to thank you for your time today, governor, before you leave, would you pray for those watching right now and pray for America that I know the key to what we're going
1: through is prayer. Can you pray before we leave? I will. I will. And thank you for this opportunity. I've, 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 I didn't, we we've, uh, we have don't know each other, but I've loved the conversation, and you uh, always walk away, and I, when my wife says, how, how did you like it? I say, well, they seem like somebody I'd like to share a meal with, and that's what you seem like, so thanks for inviting me today. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you have called us um, into a lot of different places around the world, but we pray today for our presence in the public square, that the things we say and do there would bring honor to you, um, that you would be pleased with how we act um, in the public, um, and that we could truly be salt um, that would make the meat not go bad, and light in the in what feels like a very dark world. And we're 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 always incredibly grateful that you would choose to use people like us. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us and your son's uh, sacrifice for us. And it's in His name that we pray.
0: Amen. Amen. I want to thank my special guest today. Former governor of Tennessee, Bill Haslam. He has a brand new book out, Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in Public Square. Go get this book. It's going it's to amaze you how the insights of his public serving has really shaped his view on what we're going through right now in America. And I want to tell you something. In my closing thoughts for this program, even though our country is in the middle of great battles, we know. That the best way for us to battle is, is praying, is on our knees, asking God. And the best source to turn to is not to go to social media or hang on every word that the media narrative is putting out there, but it's on every word of the word of God. The Bible says that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he has chosen as his inheritance. We are told in the book of James that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We may not have the power to be and meet the president or the authorities in our governments and our public offices, but one thing we can do as a people is pray for them so God can do mighty things through our prayers. We may not be able to change other people's hearts or minds with our words, but one thing we can do is pray for them to see that God can do a miracle in their hearts through your prayers, through my prayers. Together, we can change the world. I want to tell you something. You're talking to someone and you don't understand their views. You may not agree with them. Don't fight. Don't argue. The Bible calls us to be peacemakers. You heard it from the governor. We have to be the salt of this earth. Don't lose your taste. Don't lose what God has given you to do in in the mission. And, And listen, at the end of the day, he's the judge. We're here to love people, to pray people through, and to be able to stand for the gospel no matter what cost it takes. If we don't do it now, if we don't stand and understand where we're, what we're going through, we may find ourselves in a place of bitterness. I don't want to lose my taste. We're called to be salt of the earth. We're called to be lovers of people. We're called to serve people. Don't become bitter. Hold on to that salt. Hold on, hold on to that taste. Hold on to that faith that no matter what we go through, No matter what we're seeing take place in the public square, we know that our faithfulness is going to see us through. I have to go. I want to thank my special guest, former former Governor Bill Haslam. Faithful Presence, The Promise and the Peril of Faith in the Public Square is the brand new book. Go get it. Support him. Stand with him. Pray with him. And for him, as we see this book, Change hearts and views in America. I have to go. But remember this keep your faith. I got to go. Bye bye.
2: Yeah, spiritual warfare is not something that is uncommon. Um, We can see, even when in the book of Revelation, it talks about that there was a war that broke out in heaven. And so this is something that continues to happen and it's an ongoing warfare. And so it's not unfamiliar in scripture. And so we may say, well, you know, Jesus already defeated the enemy at the cross. So the war is over. And that may be true to a certain extent, but the enemy is taking it out on you. He is taking it out on the believer. When you gave your life to Jesus, it started this ongoing warfare. The enemy wants to stop every believer from fulfilling their purpose and their calling, just like Jesus experienced the enemy when he was led up by the Father in the wilderness. I wanna say this, Mondo, there's three things that the enemy will fight us, and it is temptation, accusation, and deception. Let me say that again. It is temptation, deception, an accusation. We know that he is the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren and he is a deceiver. And so once we understand what the Bible says and our authority to overcome him, we can defeat temptation. We can defeat um, accusation or false accusation or false witness. And we can also can defeat um, deception. And so we know the scripture says that he come to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus come that we may have life and have it more abundantly.